0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. We're going to talk about cold emails today. I have a very special guest that's been on the show before. He is a regular, reoccurring guest out here on The Sell Better Daily Sales Show, Mr. Seven Figure Bootcamp himself, the founder of TA Sales, Tom Alemo. Welcome back, my friend.
1: My man, I appreciate you. First off, happy birthday, a second, I said, you don't look a day older than 27. No, 27. 27.
0: I appreciate that generosity. I will take 27 all day. I see Paris, France is in the room. I love seeing it. Uh, make sure you connect with my good friend, Beck Holland, out in Paris. Uh, she just relocated there recently. Shout out Newfoundland. I see you. Our Canadians always represent Florida in the house. My hometown, Felicidades, Mucha Gusto. I appreciate it. Uh, Boston, what's happening? Shout out to Amsterdam, Toronto, and a lot of happy birthdays. You guys are the best audience in the world. I appreciate it. Uh, All right, let's get started with Tom here, but before we do, go ahead and scan this QR code. Check out our website, sellbetter.xyz, and hop over to YouTube and subscribe to the Sell Better YouTube channel. Get all the dates, the highlights, and everything that's coming. Florence, Italy, I see you. Shout out NYC. Thank you, Carrie. I want to give a big thank you to our sponsors, our partners. We couldn't do this show if it wasn't for these folks, and they have the best teams and the best products in the game. Shout out to Apollo.io gong has been in the game for a long time shout out mexico city i see you big shout out to vidyard i've been a vidyard user since 2015 they never let me down but here this is something new engage is here drive quality engagement at scale and first touch all the way to the closed opportunity gong engages the superpower you did not know that you had in your back pocket so get it right here i'm putting the link in the chat check this out this is new stuff to help sellers sell better you need that stuff in your life Here's the agenda, this is what you're gonna get today. How to craft subject lines that actually get opens. The whole idea is like people say, how do I get my email read, stop it. It's how do I not get my email deleted? And your subject line is gonna make that happen for you. Powerful trifecta. Tom is the master of the one, two, three. I'm gonna hit you so many different places. It's gonna be hard for you to understand and know where to connect and you're gonna find that value and boom, that's the thing you're gonna zero in on. He's gonna give you that trifecta that he does. And then of course, calls to action. What does it look like to actually get somebody to take an action when they read your email? Can we even do this? Is this possible in the modern age? In the chat, let me know. Yes or no, are you struggling with calls to action? Yes or no? You're sending out a lot of emails. We all know. If people are not getting back to you, you are struggling with calls to action. So yes or no in the chat, are you struggling with calls to action? Look at all these yeses flowing in, buddy. Mm. Let's check out who's in the room here. We're going to talk about calls to action here at the at the last segment of the show. So stick with us. Uh, SDRs, big time. Shout out, loot. SDR and AE have been heavy lately.
1: Shout out to the SDRs and AES out there.
0: Yo, uh, senior leaders, fifteen percent. Tell your friends. We need leaders coming in to change the game. That's what we need. Uh, you know, change is what brings progress one hundred percent of the time, every time. So let's talk about things that we can change. Uh, let's give some guardrails for subject lines. This is probably the most common question that I get asked, Tom, is what's a mm-hmm. good subject line? And I think this is contextual and there's a lot to say here. So talk to me about uh, cold calls or cold emails and the, the subject lines that have been working for you, the tips that and the strategies that you have that are yielding opens for you instead yeah. of leaks.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I always like to just think about the high level, like the why behind the tactics. Could I just tell you, use this exact subject line you know, it's like, we, we want to teach the person how to fish. So I want to just explain, like, w- w- let's think about the buyer's inbox, right? If you're emailing uh, someone in the C-suite, they're getting on average 200 plus emails, plus, you know, dozens of uh, IMs or Slacks or Microsoft Teams messages from their team. Uh, they're on six, seven hours of Zoom calls every day. Uh, they got a lot of pressure, right? So just think about, like, have some empathy for that, right? So if we come in, And we have a, if our subject line is unclear, if it's not enticing, if it's too long, if it's too spammy, it's never going to get open, right? So let's just keep that in mind. So like when we think about these four things, because of that dynamic, right? I want to keep it simple. I keep it three words or less the vast majority of the time. Usually two to three is like a good, a good rule of thumb for me. Um, I don't want to bait and switch to have I think this is all about integrity as a salesperson, right? If I put in the subject line, James, like, you know, uh, urgent uh, from your kids' daycare, uh, and then the subject line is about me trying to sell my software, like that's, yeah, I got you to open the email because you were worried about your kids' daycare. But then we saw the email, it's like, no, I would never respond to that. So generally speaking, like, I want the subject line to be about what the email is about, right? So if I was, I used to sell at Gong, Gong is a sales technology. Uh, it helps people with, you know, uh, you know, uh, coaching and pipeline. So I might put like your teachings coaching or your your pipeline or something like that. That's like that's what the email is about. The The ty- the only times that I don't do that is if I find something so unique, so specific in my research that only, you know, very few people have the same connection. So, for example, I went to a, a college with like 2000 people. I've come across like five people in my ten year career that went to this college that I've tried to sell to. And that's like uh, you know something that we can we can really get down with. You know, if we have something like totally unique, we went to the same magic camp in twenty twenty one in Pasadena. Yeah. I went to Magic Camp. What is <laughs> it? I did I did I didn't go to Magic Camp if I did, you know, that would be something I would call out. Otherwise, I'm not calling out like if we both went to, you know, U- University of Texas with sixty thousand other people. I'm not calling out like very vague things, your funding around, things like that. <laughs> I want it to be about what the email's about. Um, and I want it to, you know, shout out to Lavender, who I think they call this like the, uh, yeah, uh, the camo, you know, it's like internal, internal, camo. internal camouflage, right? Yeah. It's like, you want this person to think, could this email be written by someone that I work with, right? right. If they know it's from a salesperson or a marketer, they're never going to answer it. So that's why I keep it kind of vague about what the subject, subject of the email is. I don't put emojis. I don't put the first name. I don't put a lot of numbers or any numbers in there. Yeah, I just keep it kind of vague.
0: I I think there's a room for some vague in there, but I also think there's this, uh, like you said, there's like a magic word in there. Here's the question for you, right? We're talking about subject lines here. What is the magic word that you put in the subject line? And if it's something unique that's not represented here, put it in the chat. Tom and I want to see it. Uh, I've always used you and your, and I've even been a fan of the first name, but Lavender reports that it's actually a lower open rate when you put the first name in the subject line. I was a big proponent of this for a long time. Why do you think the decline has happened, Tom?
1: Um, I think automation tools have kind of hurt that. Like when everyone was doing one-off emails before the sales sequencers, before the LinkedIn sequencers, I think that worked better. Um, yeah. But right now- you know, it, it almost, to me, speaks a, a little bit of laziness because I know you can go to whatever your sales automation platform is, type in the variable first name uh, to make it, it almost looks like fake personalization to me. And some people get in a, in a get caught on that, like on LinkedIn, because some people put like an emoji in their name. And so it'll be like, you know, say, hey, first name, you know, Scott Lee on a surf, surfboard. You know, it's like, okay, that's clearly automated. So, Um, yeah, I think it's almost like, it feels like fake personalization now because of those tools.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate that. And I think people are looking for those reasons in our minds. I believe that AI and tech have been so ingrained in sales and marketing over the better part of the last decade that I think our minds as receivers, even if you Mm -hmm. send this stuff and let me know in the chat, if you feel this way, if a message appears that it could have been automated. Do you feel like it definitely was? Do you immediately default to that feeling? I think I do. I think if I read it and I think this could have gone to anybody, this was an automated message. For me, that's how my brain works. Yes or no, do you feel that that's the way it works for you as well? Check out these results right here. It looks like a lot of folks are using your, not a lot of people using you. Uh, 19% using that first name, stop it. I was a big proponent of this. It's not effective anymore. It's It's a dead tactic because so many folks have been using it and that's like anything else it'll come back into into fashion over time mm-hmm. but right now it's being overused so it's 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 critical i like the topical word one most people saying about the topical word go ahead tom
1: can i i want to call one thing out just like on this thread of like kind of fake personalization cuz nowadays i run you know i run my own business so on linkedin my title is founder or ceo or whatever so i get okay. i get people prospecting me because of that and Real personalization works for me, but when when it's like half done and someone reaches out and it's like, Hey, I'm re- Tom, I'm reaching out because of like your extensive experience, you know, it's like it's so generically personalized. It's like, Well, what about it? Did you do you want to call out my time at golf? Do you want to call my podcast? Do you want to call up my training, my boot camp? It's like, Well, because of your background, I'm reaching out. It's like, it's just to me, that that makes it seem worse. I would rather you just get into whatever you want to talk about. So, I would, I would I would always offer up. We'll get to this in a sec, you know, in one of the next slides. But always offer up like some more specific context yep. uh, for someone that why reach now.
0: Yeah, um, I see that you have a remarkable job history. Would, can, you, can you and I can you give me a phone number so we could talk about franchise opportunities? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God! I don't know who's selling this language but it's happening a lot and I, I think it needs to stop uh okay let's let's pivot right shout out to everybody that took part in the subject line you know hey we know how it is i see some questions coming into the chat throw them in the q a because we're gonna leave time and we'll answer as many questions a topical word great question mega thank you very much and shout out to you for the hotline sell better hotline in the house uh so that the topical one is the one where you're like your pipeline or your marketing analysis or your data Right, That's the thing that you're saying that's relevant to them specifically and relevant to what you're selling. So good question there. Thank you for that. Uh, okay. The body of your email. These are yeah. three things that you said everybody needs to focus on when it comes to how they structure the body of their email. Break these down for everybody.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I and while I do that, I'm also going to address uh, my man, David Meyerson in the chat, talking yeah. about like who has time to craft individual emails one by one. You actually don't need to do that, right? Uh, so- Here's what I'm calling out here. There's three things to consider with an email when you reach out to someone, right? And I think this actually applies to cold calls or or any sort of outreach to someone cold. The first is the context, right? What is going on at this company that makes this a good or bad time for you to engage, right? Right. So for example, I used to sell at Gong, right? Uh, So if someone was hiring 17 SDRs, that was amazing because my technology helped to onboard those new sales reps. Uh, If I just heard that they laid off their entire sales team, that's a terrible time for me to be reaching out. No one is buying sales tech after they lay off the whole team, right? So what's the context? Are they getting funding? Are they expanding? Can you see anything publicly that's going on? Are they investing in things that are similar to, you know, whenever you can help with, right? So there's the context and you can find that. Then there's the problem. Uh, And so you can show an example uh, of this, James, in a second, but this is the part that you can do a lot of upfront work so that you don't have to manually write every single email, because most of the time the people you sell to probably all have the same one or two or three problems, right? And that's when you work with them, they have the same problem after you, you know, before they they buy your product, right? Uh, their sales team doesn't have enough pipeline. Their security team is worried about a breach. Their HR team is not finding the right candidates for jobs. Whatever it is that you're selling, they have those problems. And so you can keep that verbiage the same in most emails because you're trying to hint at, this is a problem that we're seeing a lot in the market. And then here in a in a sentence, here's the solution for how we help to solve that. Right. So what you're changing most is the context. And then you're flipping the problem depending on who you might be reaching out to. Because Sometimes you might sell to a CEO. Sometimes it might be a director level contact, a manager, a VP. They have different problems. Um, if you want, James, I can show that.
0: Uh, Yo, show he, it. Show it, but also I'm going to drop what you're about to see is Tom's, what he's talking about now. You don't have to write a per, like necessarily a personalized email. You have a standard structure. Tom, pull it up and we're going to put the link to this in the chat. You guys can have this. Uh, this is something that comes straight from Tom's Training the session that he does with folks to show them how easy this can be with the right structure and the right process. Break it down, Tom.
1: Yeah, so this, yeah, yeah. So this uh, pre prospecting formula. So essentially, what we're doing is you're lining out who you're selling to, right? The persona, right? Are they above the LUD or below the line of contact? Uh, What's the problem that they have? The symptoms, the impact, and how your company solves it. So I'll just show you a quick example. From a client of mine just to show you kind of how this gets filled out, right? So these these folks sell very obscure technology to farmers, right? So I don't expect anyone here to necessarily be be doing this exact same thing. But the purpose of, you know, they have this persona, they have in one or two sentences, what is the what is kind of like the 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 dicey problem that these people have before they buy the technology? Mm-hmm. What are the symptoms? how what i think email at this this per person hey james boom i mean get most law production we have to have this problem because of that they have some of these symptoms or this is the impact of it typically we help companies do a b and c we go from traditional whatever to real time you know are you open to a chat right? And that's the email or that's the cold call. It's all based on what is the problem that these people have. And if you have it, great, let's talk. We're the best in the market to help. If you don't have it, also great. Um, It's probably not a good use of our time together. And I'm not going to keep chasing people that don't have this problem.
0: Yeah. We had a little bit of chop there while you were explaining, but you guys got the general idea and don't stress, everybody's going to get the recording that'll come in just fine. And you're going to get that asset. If you go up in the chat and you click that link right there, you'll get that asset. And it is relatively self-explanatory. You can see how easily your messages could be formatted and structured if you use that platform the way that Tom has described to you. Tom, you said something I want you to unplug here. You said you call this selling like a scientist. Uh, We talk a lot about science and art and the uh, integration between the two that sales represents in our world. Talk to me about selling like a scientist and using this asset specifically.
1: Yeah. So um, the reason I say sell like a scientist is that if you think about the way a scientist goes about their work, right? They have an idea over something that they want to challenge, right? They have a hypothesis. They want to test it with an experiment and either they're true, you know, either it comes out true, in which case, great. They write it up in their paper. And if it's false, then what do they do? They reevaluate, they change a variable, they retest it. They change a variable, they retest it, right? And so- I always encourage salespeople, like there's no silver bullet. There's nothing that me or James or anyone that's going to teach you that says use this exact email, works 100% of the time. Use this cold call, always works, right? So you've got to take some of these principles, you apply it to, okay, this is the problem that we think we want to solve with you know prospects and customers. If it works, great. Keep going for it. Keep going for it. If it doesn't, don't take it personally. They're not saying no to you. They're not saying you stink. They're saying, oh, that doesn't really resonate. Okay. Let me change your variable here. Let me change the length of the email. Let me change some of the words that I use on the problem. And then I'm going to redo that. Right. And then you want to just keep progressing and progressing till you get better. You know, and again, this applies for emails, cold calls, any way that you want to reach out to people.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, we're talking about emails here, but a lot of this stuff carries yeah. over into other channels as well. Uh, I want to prompt everybody, get your questions in the Q&A. We are going to answer questions throughout the show and leave time at the end. This one comes from Carrie. If you don't personalize a cold email, do they just get canned, scanned and then sent into spam? Talk, talk to us about that, Tom. What's your experience? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, so I don't think... So there's, there's a few differences. One is like, do they get scanned and not replied? And then one is like, does it go directly to spam? So... Um, you know, I think there's a lot of like technical aspects on why things go to spam of like warming up your domain and, uh-huh. you know, all, you know, how many links are you using and images and all that type of stuff. Um, but if you don't personalize the email, let's just say you just blast out a bunch of the same email. Um, it's not going it, to, right now it's just not, it's just not going to work. Dead, yeah, That worked in 2019. Uh, you know, and when people weren't sending as many emails and, you know, sales engagement was just kind of getting off the ground, but now You've got to personalize it more. Um, and also if you're sending too many emails, that is a reason why you might go to spam. You know, if you're just sending out a ton, it's gonna hurt your domain validity.
0: Well, Vol- volume is such an enormous impact on deliverability, but also your credibility as a seller. Um, I have been guilty in the past of making a mistake in an automated campaign. I think we all let put a one in the chat. If you ever made a mistake in an automated campaign and you know a few hundred or thousands possibly of your emails have gone out and there's like a typo that's like oh shit no like, yeah. this is my life on a daily basis i'm like yes. that typo fanatic dude like it's ridiculous uh okay let's move on thank you shout out to all you honest people in the chat putting your ones i appreciate it. i am not alone all right uh let's let's talk about calls to action calls to action are a tough thing a lot of people said yes at the beginning of this show they're struggling to get people to respond, engage, get back to them. And all of that has to do with what you say at the end. Uh, Break these three tips down and how you leverage them in your calls to action, Tom. Yep. Then we're going to
1: answer questions after. Yep. So again, let's think about the why really quickly before I just give you the answer to the test. Someone's reading through your email. you got them intrigued. They're already busy. They're probably reading this in between their meetings or during a meeting or while they're eating lunch, right? And, but they don't know you yet, they don't trust you most likely, so you don't want to make it complicated for them to respond. right? The way I think about it is the earlier on in the sales cycle, we want to remove all friction. Towards the end of the sales cycle, we want to start adding friction, and we want to start wondering why wouldn't this deal close, things like that. So at the beginning, when we remove friction, uh, what that looks like is I want to make it easy for them to respond. I ask a question, I want it to be a closed-ended question, and I want it to be short. I don't want, the, for example, I don't want the call to action be to say something like, so James, based on what I said above and the, the things that we can do for your sales team training and the pipeline that we can present uh, and, and the problems that you might have, would you possibly be opposed to the, the chance of a conversation next week? It's way too long. If I see that sentence, I'm not even reading that sentence. I just want to say like, open to learning more, down for a chat, is this on your radar? send more info like something super easy it's on its own standalone line so that james can scan my email uh you know get the general sense of
0: it and if he's you know, intrigued he can just respond and just be like yeah yeah you i feel like i was like listening to myself talk right there when you were like could you possibly is it even maybe we could have perhaps there's a moment where like i feel like we get into this mode because we feel like we're like invading them on the ask they appreciate the direct nature of your call to action. Most decision makers don't want to waste their time. Yes, Stacy. big applause for you. Down for a chat works for me in email. It works for me on social. It works for me on cold calls. Down for a chat about this works a yep. lot. Uh, and I'll tell you that it's striking how often it works because we think we have to over explain. Oh no, but I want to tell them why we're going to have the call. No, no. I've already done that. (laughs) Do you want to have the call? Right. Is this interesting to you? Now, Tom, you did say interest-based is a little bit burnt in your mind, right? Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: interest-based is, um, I'm, I'm down for interest-based. The reason why people like interest-based is like, if you're, If you're being if you're asking for like, hey James, how does Tuesday at 10 work? It's being assumptive. I don't like that. To me, that's if
0: I saw that as a buyer, that would be a turnoff to me. Okay. That used to be a tip for what works. You know, they used to say like be specific. Make them go to the calendar and see if they're available. And then they'd say yes. And then you send the invite. That used to be the tip. It used to be. I in my opinion,
1: again, take everything with a grain of salt. In my opinion, that's higher friction because you're not just answering Am I down for a chat? Uh, also, going to your calendar and saying, "Oh God, Tuesday at ten, I got a got a dentist appointment, and then I got the board meeting." And then it's like, rather than offer all these times, I'm just going to not respond to the email. Yeah. So I just want to make it easy for you to respond. Sometimes, like we talked about, I might not even ask for the call. Like I'm I'm testing with the idea of like, hey, uh, let me know if I can send you a you know some more info, or let me know if I could send you a, a video on this, right? And so. That's even lower friction because you're not even committing to your time. You're just saying like, that. sure, send me more info. And that's like a way to get some dialogue and banter going.
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, And I want to comment, David, thank you. We appreciate your support. Uh, I think it does depend on a few variables. One of those is who you sell to. Know your persona. Sometimes down for a chat is too casual. Know the persona. That you're reaching out to. Let's do some Q and A, and these are going to be rapid fire. We got seven questions. Let's see if we can get through oh, them all. Right. If you if you want to accept the challenge and throw more questions, we could fire off some good answers. We have six minutes. Let's try to get all these questions answered. It. Yo, hit us with your questions. Here we go. Uh, Gina says, "What is the best practice for a cold email follow up? For example, how many emails should you send a prospect before calling it quits?" Good question. Yeah, I do.
1: I do this. You know, cold uh, when you reach out to someone cold, on average, I think it takes between like seven to nine touches call email other you know social media however else you're going to hit them up so i might email them you know 5 6 times i might call them 5 6 times i might throw you a couple social touches or direct mail so my total touches might be between like 10 12 ish um in the amount the volume of emails versus calls i think is very dependent on the industry you're selling to and also very dependent on your own skill set so somewhere in that range though interesting
0: uh okay so are you saying, and this comes from Anonymous, are you saying that too many people at a company, does the company flag it to spam or too many outreach in general? So meaning, are they receiving too many emails from me, and then the company flags it as spam or is there something about my email that's capturing it in a spam? It could be both, right, Tom?
1: Could be, could be both. Yeah. It, it could be, um, if you said, for example, if you send out 5,000 emails from your domain, uh, that that will probably flag it as like something's up with this domain it's being spammy on the flip side if I said you know 20 emails but they all look spammy like to that it could be links uh, it could be images uh, things like that, that that can kind of uh, you know make it look a little fishy to Google both of those could make it land in spam so you got to be really careful especially it, it really depends also on like how established is your company and the domains and who you're reaching out to like all of that plays a factor into the deliverability.
0: A lot of variables. Again, we're not giving you silver bullets here. We are educating you on what the space looks like right now and giving you tactics that could land with your prospects. This one comes from Chris Ross. He says, head on the chopping block question, what's better? I like this question, Chris, don't shy away from it. Tom, what's better? 200 semi-personalized emails with first name, title, company, etc. Or... 50 highly personalized emails with intelligence from LinkedIn, Zoom Info, or another research method? I love this question. Chris, Tom, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, I'll give you an answer, and then I'll say that it depends afterwards. So my my gun-to-head answer is the 50 personalized right now. My answer might have been different a couple of years ago. Um, I will caveat that with like, it depends if you're at S C R, what your goals are and things like that, but I think you get more replies from those 50 Highly targeted personalized than you do from
0: the 200 semi personalized. What do you think, James? I, my opinion is that I will take a 50, it depends on the results. That's the real answer. If you are sending 200 yeah. emails and setting, you know, 15 meetings every time you do it, and you're sending 50 personalized emails and only scheduling four, obviously your 200 automated emails is the bigger net to throw and you should keep sure. doing it. My Immediate instinct is to tell you to A-B test this. If you can do 250 a day, then you should do the 250 and split them up accordingly. Personalize your first 50 messages and then go ahead and send those 200, but capture all the data and look at what's working. Some industries are going to function really well with automated messages. Others are going to function better with personalized messages, but you won't know (coughs) until you become the scientist and start testing these things to see what works. I love this. Okay, last question here, and this has to be quick. We have two minutes, Josh Young. For clarification, when using the prospecting formula, do you advise on building an in additional personalization as opposed to identifying the persona and creating a sequence for anyone specific to that persona? If so, what personalization do you advise on adding? This is qu- the question here: is do you go for the persona and what matters to them, or personalize based on the individual? Great question.
1: So. I, that's a great question. So I would do, but uh, possibly both. So when I think about like an above-the-line contact, so let's think about VP and C-suite. Um, I'm always using the problem prospecting formula for any email because I want to focus on the problem. Now, if I'm going to hit up like a manager level, possibly an influencer, I might just do that, and I might not, you know, have some personalized context in there. Right? It's a 200 uh, in that example. If I'm going after like a high, you know, decision maker, I'm going to personalize with the context and I'm going to use that, uh, the, the problem in the body. So, um, I know we're, we're getting tight on time, but that's my, uh, that's my answer there.
0: Tom, great answer to all these questions. I love the way you think on your feet, my friend. Big thanks for Tom for coming out and sharing his wisdom. Connect with him on social. We're dropping his LinkedIn in the chat right now. Go connect with Tom. He is an incredible human being that will give you the time of day and speak to you about all the needs that you have to sell better. Thank you for spending time with us. Check us out at sellbetter.xyz. Follow me on social at saywhatsales, all one word. And we will see you tomorrow for another stellar episode of Sell Better. Thanks, Tom. Happy birthday, James. Thanks, buddy.